Hello and welcome to the Image Doctors Photography Podcast. I'm Jason O'Dell. And I'm Rick Walker. Hey, everyone. It's good to be here um, enjoying our spring starting, right? Spring in quotes. No, it's actually supposed to warm up <laughs> finally. Yeah, uh, this next week is going to be nice here. I, I looked at the calendar. We haven't had a 70 degree day since October. So I'm looking oh, forward to you poor being thing. along. along. <laughs> We've been close, but not quite. No, my, my bulbs finally started coming in and it's they're about three weeks late compared to where they norm, we normally are this time of the year. I usually have daffodils by now, but hey, you know, okay. it's all good. Um, what are we going to, um, is there anything we missed from last week that we wanted to follow up on? I think we're good. Nobody sent us an, an angry letter, so I think we're okay. Since I can't even remember what we talked about last week at this point. Oh, no, but we talked about, um, uh, you know, the demise of DP reviews. So oh, yeah. On that one. So, so there is an interesting uh, update that we'll do quickly, and then we'll get into the, the actual content and talk about what that is. Um, I did see a, a formal note from DP review, not a rumor or anything like that, that they're essentially going to leave the site up and, and basically fixed in time as a resource. So it won't like be an archive, an archive of data. And that's great because you've got 25 years worth of history and mm -hmm. good information for researching stuff and just a variety of things. Both of us use it to look up stuff sure, all the time. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that was a nice thing to hear, but the forums will be offline that that's right. all going away. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, well, this week we've got sort of two things we want to talk about, um, at mm -hmm. least according to my notes that I hastily scribbled down. Um, <laughs> one is we want to briefly talk about some alternative places for gear shopping when when you have one and you run into trouble looking for stuff that might be out of stock or harder to find or 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 other reasons. Um, mm -hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit, and then we want to go again to our photographer spotlight series where we'll talk about some photographers and this week we're really going to combine two we're going to talk about two photographers who we both like but um each influenced us personally in different ways and that's galen rowell and also john shaw so we'll talk about them a little later yeah so this will be more autobiographical in some respects than previous things that we've done so anyway um let's talk a little bit about some places to look when you're shopping around and this whole idea came to me uh, recently because there's been you know supply chain issues or otherwise there's been occasionally a scarcity of certain accessories or certain things that have been tough to find um i had clients joining me for the a birding workshop and i recommended bringing a teleconverter and i don't know about I, I don't know but the the nikon z teleconverter the new one it's just been out of stock everywhere it, i mean just nobody has them it, it's not you know just a nikon problem not just a teleconverter problem you no, know with like other with things fujis too. their whole fuji bodies that theoretically we're still being made or offered that have not been available for some time. And now they're sort of being discontinued. Um, and there have been issues with lenses at times, other brands, same thing. It goes in and out. It just varies a little bit. Um, but to your point, there absolutely are times where it's 
really hard to to locate certain items yeah through I mean, traditional means right so one of the things that i keep in my back pocket is um the shopping directly from from the manufacturer um and i suggested to a client um have you looked on the nikon usa website just their shop and they said uh well, it was backordered there too. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even realize that. And she went ahead and ordered it anyway. Mm-hmm. And lo and behold, within a week, she had it. Mm-hmm. And then a similar thing happened to me last week. I'm going down to do some photography with clients uh, down in Panama, where we went a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Which should be great fun again. Oh, that'll be epic fun yeah it's always good yeah we um, do it in a heartbeat and and one thing i recommended to to my clients was a small flash unit now i've got a bunch of sb nikon speed lights but frankly they're pretty big i mean the sb 800s that i have which i have a, the most of from a long time ago still work but even those are kind of large um comparatively um use a lot of batteries and the sb 900s are just enormous <laughs> just overkill mm-hmm. right and this would just be like for like you know close-ups of insects or mm-hmm. something like you know just have a little extra flash yeah. just not for the birds or anything like and that and you don't need a whole lot of power when you're no close. not if it's close range shooting right so so i said oh well you know you had recommended the uh a small sb 500 which is a little a little thing you know it's half the size of an sb 800 i have one mm-hmm. here in my hands right now same thing out of stock everywhere mm-hmm. uh you can find them used at a markup over new on yeah. places like Amazon. Yeah. And so I just said, Oh, I'll do the same thing. I'm going to take a flyer. So back a couple of weeks ago, I just went ahead and put an order in with, with Nikon directly. And, uh, yesterday it showed up. So it took about a, uh, under two weeks, but I had it. It still shows back ordered. So even though there may be back ordered or supply chain lags or whatever it might be, sometimes you're actually there and you can go to the manufacturer's site and just get, get something a lot quicker than you might it might not be two days from now but it you you might be surprised how relatively quickly it comes especially yeah, and, I, ahead. and i've used that approach a couple times and and i think most of the companies have um, at least within the u.s um, a site where they're selling stuff and i suspect that's true for the eu and the e- uk and mm-hmm. um, parts of asia as well so that's something to think about um, on occasion, you can find stuff on eBay. Usual caveats apply. You have to mm-hmm. know what you're looking for, etc. Um, I think also, you know, a lot of times people get fixated on the really large national or even international shops, um, which are great, but sometimes just run out of things faster than the smaller regional stuff. So don't forget about the mom and pop shops, especially yeah. with the internet. A lot of their inventory is easy to check on and they're, they're great shops. The prices are the same typically. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I was going to mention, you know, one of the reasons why you might be looking for an alternate uh, source is like right now, some of the large New York shops are closed for Passover. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, B and H, for example, who I buy a lot of right. stuff from Adorama. They're right. they're closed right now, and that's fine. That that's mm-hmm. that you know the they they make it well known <laughs> that they're they're going to be shut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know for that one week uh, and, and um, some other times too with major holidays, and that's fine. But it's nice to have some alternate places in your back pocket. Um, you know, we've online. You know, so the regional dealers they almost always. There's some that we've we've gone to in the past, and and they work. Um, and we'll we'll put a list out of some of those um, out in the show notes. Um, some options if you're looking for places to buy um, things, and some places will let you. We had a customer, you know, a friend of ours, um, listener of ours, ask about uh, you know where can you get on a on a um, list on a, on a pre-order. pre-order a pre-order list um, that they won't charge you something in advance. So there's place, there's some places that will do that too. Where there, there are fewer than there list. used to be because mm-hmm. a lot of people were getting on multiple lists. Well, and, and some then, places will create lists for products that don't even exist. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, yes. you know, you know, so if there's ever a Z eight, right. I want to be on the list. So yeah. um, anyway, uh, that's, that's just an, an interesting thing. So there are out there, there are some smaller shops uh, many of which we've done wonderful business with and um, mm-hmm. would, would shop from again um, outside of the usual suspects so check our um, Facebook page for more for more details on on those um, okay uh, shall we move on or is there anything yeah. else left out Let's I, move I don't on. I don't know you know we could talk about the latest episode of you know Ted lasso or something like that I don't know I need to watch it first okay I watched I'm behind it. schedule I watched it I still enjoy that show anyway um I thought it was a great show in the first two seasons moving forward let's talk about two influential photographers at least influential for both of us personally yeah and that would be Galen Rowell and also John Shaw mm-hmm and I'm going to let you lead off with this one because Galen Rowell is sort of the uh, the late Galen Rowell um, was a pioneer in a lot of things. He was mostly known for his, you know, a lot of mountaineering. <laughs> he did a lot, lived in, in the Eastern Sierras, did a lot of photography around there, but also internationally, went to a lot of places um, and tragically was killed in a plane crash along with his wife and some other people, a small plane back in um, 2001, I think. Two. 2002 yeah so really and that was unfortunately right about the time that i was starting to get back into into photography uh so galen rowell never really did anything really seriously with digital uh, to my knowledge right um you know he he is well known but his film stuff was amazing and i know it had an impact on you rick so why don't you yeah give us some of your uh personal uh, uh takes on this yeah, and I, I, I will drift a little bit into the John Shaw subject, too, at the same time, um, and for reasons it'll become apparent. So both of those guys put out books in the mid-'80s. Um, John Shaw put out one on nature photography in 84. Galen Rowell put out his very famous Mountain Light book in 86. That's when they first came out, and that's right around the time I was graduating from college, I worked in a camera store, which was fun and, you know, kind of got, you know, had rejuvenated my interest in photography a little bit. But then both of these guys put these books out. And in both cases, um, at that point in time, big emphasis at that point in time, 
because context matters. The quality of the photos was really much better than what you would see in most, most photo books. It was absolutely a step up. Clarity, color reproduction, composition. And Galen Rowell's photos had an extra touch too of very interesting lighting and colors. He was experimenting with the split neutral, neutral density filters at a very early point. So it gave his images a different look. And then you combine that look with the mountaineering stuff and the adventurer stuff. And I'll just tell you, it had a hell of an impact on me. It was like, okay, by God, I am getting my stuff out again. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to approach things a little bit differently than I did in the past. I'm and, looking through the book as you're speaking here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and with John Shaw's stuff, same thing, very, a different style, um, you know, not as flamboyant in some ways, but really nice, wonderful compositions, mm -hmm. beautiful colors, just done super well. And at, at the time I was using Nikon equipment and that's what he used. And he weaved in, you know, kind of a nice mixture of equipment mm -hmm. and photography so that I ended up getting a better sense of what was out there, what might help me um, with the kind of photographs I wanted to take. And, you know, just great stuff. I was able to meet him in later years and um, really nice guy, great teacher. Um, so I had more time with Galen Rowell than you did, mm -hmm. for sure. I right. was following his stuff for quite a few years. He was... Right you know, doing monthly magazine columns and these uh, are guys are shooting slow color slide film transparencies. Mm -hmm. And with that, you had not a lot of latitude in terms of dynamic range, uh, very high contrast, um, saturated colors, you know, Kodachrome mm -hmm. 25 type, type of things. Um, but what I like about both of these guys, but we'll start with, with, um, with Galen for a moment who I never met. And, you know, once upon a time, we actually interviewed, uh, Tom Hogan, one of his, who was one of his assistants at one point, um, or studied under him, but, uh, you know, the photos are dynamic and I don't think today they would necessarily have the impact that they would have had on us in the eighties, you know, mm -hmm. cause these are national geographic quality kinds of photos these are really really Both guys high. shot for that magazine. right right exactly and so they knew what they were doing um and when you pick up a book that looks like a coffee table book you know mountain light is the galen rowell book um you know the, the photos are dynamic but as you alluded to he does provide technical information at least a little bit Mm -hmm. uh, along with the story behind the shot and there's a there's this tendency amongst photographers and sometimes it gets a little bit silly the narrative can sometimes see a little bit um but you know talk about what was going through your mind as you were setting up to do whatever and that you know and some of it's cliche these days but um mm -hmm. or or just a little hyperbolic um but it's good to see what kind of camera, what lenses, what film, whatever uh, that they were using at the time, because then you go, well, wait a minute. If they have this, they were making this happen. That's gear that's accessible to me, perhaps, you know, or, or maybe not if you're a poor college student, but, you know, at least in the realm, right. You could, you could conceptualize that. 
Um, and so, you know, and I think you pointed out too with with the grad filters, the ND grads. I mean, that's really where people started hearing about that technique, which was a critical technique for certain kinds of landscape photography with slide film, because you had no chance of of keeping a sky exposed anywhere close to being uh, correct with a dark foreground. You know, when you got an early morning sunrise in a mountain or whatever and you got a valley or something like that so the the idea of using split or graduated nd filters split grads um was was critical and I, you know there was a time when we all went out and you know inspired by this went out and you had you know the sign of a true landscape photographer was because you had your set of, oh, yeah. of, of grads and if they were really good you had the you know you had the the larger ones not just the little coking one you know sure the 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 coking peas but you actually had what you know the the fancier ones and i got into it more um when i got out of graduate school i was getting back into photography more as a hobby um and i started seeing john shaw's uh work um and i have a several of his books but his nature photography one is probably the most commonly this is the one that was originally put out in 84, 84 and then it was republished in 2000 and one thing about i will just say straight up is the reproduction quality of the images in that book are just done extremely well um just it, it's just very good quality and and that is not that is not inexpensive i mean that's to get good glossy and good color reproduction and you know the the printing process that you have to do is a certain quality and that stands out because I had other books on photography that literally were just black and white half tones of color images. And they're just, Oh yeah. It was just crummy. It was so, so the impact of seeing not just color images, but really good, amazing tonality, incredible sharpness. And you know, great compositions, great yes. light, all of those things. And, and what I really like about John Shaw's book is that, his pictures are outstanding, but he wasn't afraid to share his settings and his gear. And you're right. We were both shooting with Nikon stuff, as were they at that time. I think mm -hmm. John probably still is. But um, it was kind of nice to see the setup. You know, it's not just, oh, I'm going to tell you about I used F22 or something like that. It was why. And, oh, and here's the tripod that I'm using. And here's the... And this is where I started learning about ball heads mm -hmm. um, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, really getting into the nitty gritty of, of the setup for uh, now, again, this was with film. So there was you know, your ISOs were, were somewhat limited back then. Um, but just the, his book on nature photography, but also his book on um, macro and close-up photography is just mm -hmm. tremendous to me, at least. Um because again, the the reproduction of the images is just is just outstanding. Now a lot of that gear is outdated now, but at the time it was it was pretty much the up to date equipment. And mm -hmm. so to be able to look at the photo and then read not just a description of what you were doing, but this is what I was. These were my settings. This is how I set it up. It was just a tremendous learning tool for me. Yeah, the the one thing for me too with John Shaw's stuff is. It also helped me figure out film choices mm -hmm. at that time. And I ended up changing mine. I had been a Kodachrome shooter 
using predominantly Kodachrome 64, a little bit of 25 at times. And I ended up moving to Fuji 50, mm-hmm. which was the precursor to Velvi. I had many of the same characteristics. And for a lot of the stuff that I was shooting here in the Colorado mountains, it was just wonderful. It was like, yeah, that's, that's the look I want. And so that was just a very simple thing, but it was very helpful to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm just flipping through stuff now and, you know, just the simple, like, for example, um, one of the first, um, autofocus prime lenses that I bought. So I had some manual focus stuff, Mm -hmm. but not a lot. Um, it was a macro lens. And when you start looking at those and prices and stuff, there's, there's choices for lenses, right? You have generally macro lenses come in. There's the 50 to 55 to 60 millimeter flavor. There's a 190 to 105 millimeter range. And then there's 180 to 200 millimeter range, right? Mm-hmm. Those are those, those three. And one thing that was crystal clear from Shaw's book is the difference on the background, what you get with those focal lengths. And you could very easily see, you know what? That 50 or six, that 55 or 60 millimeter macro might be inexpensive, but I'm never going to make a photo that looks like this. If you like take pictures of wildflowers and and, and insects or little mm-hmm. critters, because you're just never going to get that blurred out background. And so I made, it helped me make the choice to say, you know what? I'm going to spend a little more, but I'm going to get a 105. Yeah, because that's a, a, a better choice because he had it illustrated side by side photos, the same subject, the same shot. We do that all the time now in digital because you just post it online. But mm-hmm. to see it in books at that time, that was really good for for me. And I'm sure it was for you, too. Right. Well, and, and there was no Internet. Right. In the 80s. <laughs> right. And the, and so there was not. no easy way of figuring out some of those things, you know, there there just wasn't so you know i think in some respects with john shaw we're probably focusing too much on the equipment it was super helpful but what was the most compelling part of it is beautiful images Mm -hmm. and then a little bit about you know how you could personally pull that off with what was out there on the market so yeah it was great stuff it was you know and and it's it's funny too because his book was coming out right when you know autofocus started to be coming mm-hmm. more you know uh you know some of his shots were with the nikon f5 and he was talking about how great the now john shaw used oh, to live here that's, in Colorado that's a Spring. much later version of right the book. so this is the 2000 edition yeah, of the book yeah. um but even in 2000 um even in 2002 or whenever this one came out uh, 2000 which was the rewrite of the 84 book mm-hmm. um the internet was still relatively in its infancy. I mean, it was out there, but there were very few resources for on the internet. Um, and, um, and so books were still really important. You know, it was, it was for me at least, uh, cause not everybody had, I mean, there just weren't a lot of good resource websites in the late nineties, early two thousands. The one I'm thinking about the most was people like, well, there was people like Tom Hogan, who's Galen's disciple, and also Moose Peterson had his website very early on, you know, mm-hmm. where you could try to learn a little bit about gear. And then, of course, you know, coming in later, you know, with DP Review and you know, or Nikonians or some of these other places where we've gotten forums to to get 
feedback but seeing the photos that were so good mm-hmm. <laughs> which was the draw i think i mean that's the hook i think in both of these cases that's the mm-hmm. hook because i mean anybody could have said oh yeah get a neutral grad and you know nd filter and right well, what does that mean what does that what does that do here's a picture where i used it this is why it's so awesome <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and and i think that had a i don't know just kind of a personal thing and just as a side note i never did meet john shaw but you said you did right yeah, so and he's still living. Oh yeah, no, but he 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 used to live here in Colorado Springs, but uh, moved shortly after the time that I came to Colorado. Mm-hmm. But he was still here. Um, and in 2003, I had a question about a flash setting, and I remember emailing him, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he responded very terse. <laughs> but it was a, it was a very short concise, but he answered my question, and for that I'm ever grateful. So it's just. <laughs> It was it was really nice, um, but both of these guys, um, you you may have you've, you've probably heard of them, but you know if you're like me, if you've got the books already, go and dust them off because they're really good and you can get a lot of inspiration from them. That's that's if my. If you feeling. haven't l- looked at it before them before and um, take a look at them, definitely do so. But keep the context in mind. Mm-hmm. It was not today. It was many decades ago. Right. The accessibility of stuff is so different now. Um, Some of these locations just won't even seem all that exciting. You know, everybody's been there now, you know, it's like, or, or whatever. And and everybody's got autofocus and everybody has 12 stops, 14 stops of dynamic range and all kinds of stuff. And so, but you're right at the time, these really stood out. At least for us, if you like nature and landscape subjects. Yeah. And and I think the to wrap this up, I think the way our listeners can interpret this particular segment is this is our thank you to two guys that definitely made a difference in our photography and our interests in photography. So Absolutely. All right. Big, well that's big thank you to him. Amen. And um I think that is all the time we have for this week's show. Yep. Um so stay tuned. We'll have more stuff. Um, we will have to, we'll let you know on our Facebook page, what our schedule is like, cause I'm going to be out of the country for about a week and a half. So, um, we'll have to figure some stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we may or may not miss, uh, skip an episode, um, in the next couple of weeks, but we'll see until next time though. Happy shooting. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>